everyone. I am super pumped to be joined today with Sam Stahl. Sam Stahl is a self-described digital media guy. He has a diverse background in the media space, including being chief revenue officer at a couple of really big publications, including Food 52, Bustle Media Group, uh, or Bustle Digital Group, excuse me. Um, but we're going to talk about all things media, the past media, how, how media companies have changed over the last 10 years, and kind of what the, the future looks like for media companies and how media companies make money, etc. So, um, Sam, thanks for agreeing to, to chat for a bit today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, if you don't mind, give us kind of a quick overview of your background and, yeah, just in the, in the media landscape. Yeah, so I've been uh, I've been working in media and specifically digital media for the most part for almost twenty two uh, for almost twenty years. Um, I have really specialized in building and growing advertising sales teams um, and helping uh, helping companies uh, maximize the revenue that they're able to bring in. Um, you mentioned a few of the places I've worked. Um, uh, I also uh, ran the sales team at a comedy website called College Humor that was acquired by Barry Diller's IAC. Um, you mentioned Bustle Digital Group. I was the, the first salesperson there and built out the, the revenue team there um, and grew it to uh, very big revenue numbers. Um, following Bustle, I was the chief revenue officer at Food52, which is a commerce and content um, food site um, that was acquired by uh, an investment firm called the Churning Group at the end of 2019. And since then, I have been uh, consulting and advising digital media businesses on how to grow uh, their revenue, whether that's advertising revenue or otherwise. Very cool. Very, very cool. Yeah. Um, I think I just think that the media landscape and how these media companies work and how they make money, I think a lot of people may not realize just the business model and, and how much goes into just trying to sell ad space or just just the whole operation and, and the the amount of dollars that are flowing through the system is is pretty staggering for me at least as I've kind of entered the space and, and had conversations with people like you. Yeah, it, it, it's um, it, it, it's a very fascinating uh, business and, and industry, um, and uh, you know, even in the past uh, ten years, even five years, it's just changed um, so significantly. Um, you know, ten years ago, fifteen years ago, the, the whole game was basically just monetizing eyeballs. Uh, the formula was, you know, grow your audience as large as possible. Um, whether through that's organic content, whether that's through um, paid marketing, um, and then take that audience um, to advertisers and sell them to place essentially, you know, banner ads, you know, on on, on your site. Um, you know, fifteen years ago, that really also began. People, publishers started creating custom content, um, sponsored content, native content, whatever you want to call it, and, and pitching that to pitching that to advertisers um and that was something that advertisers at the time were really excited about um the problem i think uh, rapidly became that there was uh an excess uh uh supply 
of, of digital media publishers and digital media content. And everyone was essentially selling the same thing, you know, which was, uh, a sort of a generic audience and, you know, some form of native custom content. Um, uh, meaning that that sort of became a commodity to itself, um, you know, with the, you know, insane, you know, size and strength of Google, Facebook, um, uh, there was really sort of a race to the bottom, especially for small to mid-sized publishers um, that were getting sort of pushed out of the um, out of the the ad the, the ad spend because all, more and more of that money was getting funneled to fewer and fewer uh, publishers and platforms. Um, so you know, I would say in the past five years, it's really been for for, for small to mid-sized publishers, it's really been. You know, how do we show off not only our audience, but also, you know, the power of our brand, the connection to our audience and the loyalty of our audience, but then also, you know, figure out other ways to make money other than just selling advertising and custom content. So things like licensing, things like uh, affiliate, things like commerce um, have really, really, really been essential um, for these publishers, um, you know, to continue to grow their revenue um, in an increasingly competitive market. Yeah. Would you say when it comes to the revenue share or the revenue streams of one of these media publishers, what, you know, what do you think is kind of the, the typical breakdown as far as all of the revenue that comes into one of these media companies, whether it's via display advertising, uh, affiliate, commerce, et cetera, do you kind of have a, a gauge on what percentages, you know, are a, a typical media company might my yeah. Own. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, you, you would see that affiliate and advertising would probably be close to 100 percent of, of revenue. Um, I think now, you know, you're seeing businesses, you know, need to have at least 25, 30, 40 percent of their revenue be something other than 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 direct advertising uh, revenue. Um you know, Food 52, where I was previously, and this is all public information, you know, their revenue was probably 75% commerce sales, so selling things on food52.com, and probably 25% um, advertising sales. And, you know, in, in all honesty, that was, that, was, that was something that made them very uh, attractive to potential uh, investors and acquirers. Um, so, you know, even, even publishers that, you know, have relied on you know growing their their advertising revenue year over year for for a long time they absolutely have to look at other ways to make money um and if they're not able to do that and you're seeing this now with a lot of a lot of publishers they're either going to go they're either going to go away or they're going to get rolled up into another bigger publisher um you see all of the consolidation in publishers whether it's vice and refinery 29 and group nine uh pop sugar um buzzfeed and huffington post buzzfeed and complex um it's essentially just an arms race right now um to to get as big as an offering as you can um while at the same time you know making sure that the brands that you the the publisher brands that you do have under this umbrella you know are do command a loyal audience and also have multiple ways to make money hmm. yeah i noticed on food 52 for example yeah it's interesting it's more it really blurs the lines between an e-commerce experience and a publishing experience. And I think that as time goes on, what I, the way I think of it is we're going to shop where we um, 
spend our time on the internet and we're also going to spend our time on the internet where we shop where as before i think both of those were kind of split uh, behaviors on the internet you know you would either be you know very you know going to amazon and just looking for something to purchase or you were like just consuming media on instagram etc but i think with food 52 and, and some of these other things that publishers are doing and even integrated e-commerce on social platforms um it's just all going to kind of become one in the same experience. Wouldn't you? Yeah, that, that's, that's exactly right. And, you know, I think what you're going to find is that is that publishers and brands that really do have a deep connection with their with their audience, like a Food 52, um, that means that their audience trusts them. And, you know, Food 52, in this specific example, you know, earn the trust of, of, of their readers by creating really, really great content. And then they started selling them things. And the selling them things part ended up becoming a bigger business. Um, you look at brands like Buzz. Feed, you know, BuzzFeed um, has really started doing a lot of what they call live shopping events where they use their own talent and, you know, spend an hour uh, on a certain day, you know, selling curated things directly to BuzzFeed's audience. And BuzzFeed's audience loves it and, and buys these things because they trust BuzzFeed as a brand and, you know, BuzzFeed's editorial. Um, you know, I think the tricky part is that uh, not every publisher has that connection with their audience. Um, and if they don't, you know, A, why is anyone going to really truly be there? And B, you know, why are they going to be spending their time and money to buy things that they recommend, you know, if they don't have that deep connection? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that that trust gap is is huge. Um what about, you know, when, when it comes to being a chief revenue officer at somewhere like Food 52, how does your, you know, how did your day-to-day -day or your strategy change when you had to go from you're just selling eyeballs to now we're like actually trying to create commerce partnerships? I get, yeah, what it, yeah, yeah, no, that's a fantastic question. Yeah, fantastic question. Um, you know, what, 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 at the time we really looked at it through 52 was, you know, yes, we had a great audience. Yes, we had, you know, good scale. Um, and yes, you know, we were able to create, you know, really compelling custom content for our advertising partners. But again, lots of published, lots of food publishers in that case, were doing the exact same thing. Um, what food 52, uh, had, uh, you know, in a particularly unique Fa uh, fashion was, you know, we had this shop, we had, you know, the ability to uh, sell things that our, that our audience really loved directly to them from food52.com. So we thought about, you know, as a, as a company as a whole is how do we really combine all the, all the things that food 52 does, does well, and then take those to advertising partners in order to potentially get um, bigger ad spends from our, from our advertisers. So, you know, were we able to do partnerships that weren't just, you know, uh, advertising and custom content, but were we able to work in, you know, commerce elements to that as well. Um, and what we found is that, that, that big advertisers, big marketers were really excited about that because they've been seeing the same things pop up in their email, you know, a hundred times a day from thousands of different publishers saying, you know, we can do X, Y, and Z, but everyone's doing X, Y, and Z. So when they, you know, when they had a, a potential partner like food 52 or, or, you know, a Buzzfeed or whoever come to them and say, you know, these are all the things that we do well as a business and we're going to put them all together to help you as an advertiser and help you support your goals. So it was really thinking about, you know, not just limiting ourselves to what we've been doing, but, you know, what are the other things that we can do and combine 
uh, other parts of our business that we can combine to make compelling programs for our advertising partners. Hmm. Very cool. What would you say that the future looks like for media companies just kind of in general? I know that's a really broad question, but when you just think about one thing you touched on was, you know, these continued roll-ups and consolidation in the media industry. Are there any other trends just in general that you see over the next five, 10 years happening? Yeah. I mean, I I think that you're going to really see, um, you're going to really see publishers, um, who have built, you know, strong brands and who have, you know, strong, uh, offerings with you with with multiple sort of platforms those are the ones that are going to do well um you know you have to have a, a loyal audience you know it doesn't have to be you know buzzfeed size no not necessarily but they have to be loyal you know and, 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 and you know you have to have good technology um you know you have to meaning that you know you have to offer that audience you know interesting things to increase engagement um And, you know, whether that's uh, interactive units, whether that's, you know, uh, different types of compelling content, you know, it it can't just be the same type of content that every that every other publisher uh, is doing, Uh, you know, and you and most importantly is you need to make money in in, in lots of different ways. If you're just relying on advertising um, or if you're just relying on affiliate, uh, you know, I I would feel very bearish about that. But I think that the. The, the publishers that, that 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 are really thinking about how to leverage their brand into as many revenue streams as possible, um, uh, and, and, and really leverage you know all the different things you do against you know against one another. You know, use your commerce elements uh, to, to to bring to brand advertisers to to increase your advertising revenue. I, I think those are the ones that are gonna that are gonna survive and flourish. And it's so interesting because I think. Before our conversation, even I, I don't think I would have associated, you know, when you think of the importance of brand, you think more of like a company selling physical products uh, or just companies selling products in general, not a media company. But um, I think when you talk about the success of Food 52, um, it just makes so much sense. Like starting, I'm sure Food 52 started in a, a fairly niche category with a niche audience and just built so much trust and started to grow and expand from there. Um, so essentially, you know, having brand and trust be that most important in initial calculation. Um, I, I think that's true as, as media becomes more and more commoditized brand will be the only thing that people have to rely on. 100%, you know, there's just, there's just too many options out there for, for consumers, you know, meaning website consumers, there's too many options out there for advertisers and, you know, the, the publishers that really truly have a connection with, with their audience, I think will be able to, you know, show that to an advertiser and thus make a, you know, good connection with them, uh, mm-hmm. resulting in, in revenue. But yeah, brand, I think is 100% the most important thing. I think too, I'm not sure how familiar you are with, uh, this is getting more into the, the TV and OTT space, but I think the launch of Magnolia Network is a good example of someone that's doing it really right because they have such, Chip and Joanna Gaines have such a strong brand and they have so many, I actually live in Waco, so I've seen it firsthand that they have so many different ways of monetizing, whether it's through 
you know, physical products and commerce, or they have a growing real estate business that I'm sure they have plans to expand beyond Texas. They have just so much is built into that Magnolia brand and, and trust. And that now that they're kind of getting into the media landscape with Magnolia network, um, I just think, yeah, they really dominate. You know, you know, you're exactly right. You know, they, they, they did it exactly right. And, you know, they will make hundreds of millions of dollars, if not more out, out of their empire. But even if you look sort of on a smaller scale, you know, you look at, um, uh, like, like, uh, food influencers on, on, on YouTube or on TikTok or on Instagram, you're having all these niche sort of food personalities pop up and, and literally pop up in my feed and, you know, there's such interesting people and, and there's, you know, they, they, they're building these mini brands for themselves. And, you know, yes, they're making money with brand partnerships, aka advertisers, but they're also now selling things. So, you know, there's a there's a Cajun guy who, who you know, makes these huge uh, uh, shrimp boils and videos around that. And now he's selling his own seasoning and selling a lot of them. And, and so these are sort of these little mini brands that are building that connection with, 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 with viewers. And then guess what? Selling them things because they trust them. Hmm. So interesting. And I think on an influencer scale, but even bigger than that is Mr. Beast, who um, yeah. is obviously building a media empire around him with – and he's a perfect example of using that media empire to drive revenue in a variety of ways, whether it's Mr. Beast Burger. I also saw that he just launched a candy bar. Yep. Um, it's really, really interesting. Things are changing very quickly. And yeah, again, you're, you're able to, you're able to take, you know, take that brand and then license it out. Um, and you know, that's a whole nother revenue stream is sort of licensing out the intellectual property that you've created. And you know, that, that unlike, advertising revenue tends not to fluctuate, you know, quite as much. Hmm. So interesting. Well, last question I wanted to ask you, Sam, was um, just looking ahead for media companies, big or small, um, what do you think is kind of the best strategy for them to differentiate themselves and survive and, and thrive in the years to come? Yeah, I mean, if I was starting a media business right now, I would, I would, I would, I, I would go niche. I would figure out something, something very focused, and I would organically and gradually um, build up, you know, that audience and, and sort of the loyalty and and, and, and trust with that audience. Um, and I would explore every, you know, every potential way to make money uh, with that brand, you know, whether it's brand partnerships, whether it's uh, whether it's licensing, whether it's commerce. Um, but, you know, my advice would be start start small, focus on a specific need um, and, you know, provide something really valuable to your audience and they will trust you and they will come back and they will give you their money. <laughs> awesome. Well, I think that's super good advice. And um Anyways, thank you for taking the time to chat, and we appreciate it, hopefully. I mean, I'm sure thank we'll have you, Yeah, more thank you so much for having me. Th thank you for having me. Okay, thanks, Sam. Bye.